Welcome back to Navigating Law School Admissions with Miriam and Christy, the Getting Personal with Personal Statements mini-series. Miriam and I are back on the mic with Euless Boyd as we reflect on a third personal statement. A quick reminder, it is best to listen to this episode with the personal statement in front of you. Look for personal statement C on the Navigating Law School Admissions website, or you can find the link in the show notes to this episode. Euless, I believe it's your turn in the hypothetical game. Indeed. So here we go. If you could permanently dispel one myth about legal education or law school admissions that lots of applicants seem to believe, what would it be? Oh, this is Miriam's favorite game, myth busting. Myth busting. I know I'm struggling <laughs> to think of just one myth to bust right now. <laughs> There's so many to choose from. Um, the one that comes to mind first that I frustrates me is the idea that admissions officers don't actually look at your transcript. We just look at the cumulative GPA that LSAC spits out at us that appears on a, you know, maybe a cover page or something that gets transmitted in the CAS report. Because I have found that every admissions officer I talk to, no matter what school it is, they are looking at your transcripts. They're thinking about the grades over time. They're looking at the courses that you took. This is an integral part of our review. And it frustrates me that the conventional wisdom seems to be that it's just the number itself that matters. So I'm going to go with something related to the numbers too. I I think people don't believe that when we say holistic admissions, we really mean holistic admissions. We really do. Like it, the numbers are not driving things nearly as much as people seem to think. We do not have cutoffs. We are not automatically admitting everyone with a 180 and 4.0 the same way we're not automatically throwing in the garbage people who have lower LSAT and GPA scores. Holistic admissions is real. That's why we all have jobs and we're not replaced by computers. It is incredibly challenging. It is incredibly time consuming and we take it incredibly seriously. So I really want people to believe that. Um, otherwise, we would all be just like sitting on a beach, you know, from October to May, <laughs> drinking pina coladas instead of, you know, reading files from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. I'm, I'm so glad that both of you picked those. You know, those aren't going to be my myths, but um, I read the transcripts first. Right. So I've always found it kind of annoying that when you open a file, you can't. Uh, maybe it will be different in the new version of the um, applicant tracking system from LSAC, but that you can't specify what part of the file you'd like to see first. I prefer to see transcripts before I see anything else. It helps me sort of form my initial impressions. I prefer to form my initial impressions based on transcript than on personal statement or even LSAT score. But the way that we get the file and access the file I often know those things before I see transcript and the transcript to me is the is the richest piece of information. It's it's often 4 years or more of work. Absolutely. It's a huge it's all so much work goes into that transcript. And it's choices, right? So it's like yes. With, I, I often tell people the reason why I don't give advice about the subject matter of personal statements is I want to see what choice you'll make about subject matter which is itself data about right. you. And the transcript is is at four years of choices, right? It, sometimes yes, you'll have so interesting. You know, you'll have your major and the courses you're required to make for that, but then all these other choices that you've made tell me things about you. Uh, but my myths are that denied students are quote unqualified. That is not why they're denied. They are typically denied simply because the pool is so strong that other students, for whatever reason, um, uh, you know, uh, are, are being given admit decisions and we can't admit everyone. But that doesn't mean that a denied student is, quote, unqualified for law school. Um, and I think people need to really 
change their thinking about what it means to receive a denied decision. Um, and then the second thing is that schools that use conditional merit scholarships are a part of some vast conspiracy to put um, all the strongest students in, into sections in 1L so that some students will be forced to lose their scholarships. Schools, um, schools do not do this. Uh, I'm not aware of any school doing it. I know once upon a time there were some reports that schools did it, but it looks terrible when schools uh, when students lose their, their merit scholarships and schools do not actively try to force students to lose their scholarships. It's a terrible myth and it needs to be busted. And here you are to do it. <laughs> we could just do a whole myth busting episode. I, think that would, I feel like we're going to have you list back all the time. <laughs> I, I, would, I would be happy to. I would be happy. <laughs> all right. Uh, so on to their third personal statement. Um, this author describes their tumultuous childhood growing up in country X to Ghanaian parents they found solace in reading books by authors who faced violations of their human rights, including Anne Frank, Betty Mamoudi, and Waris Deary. At 16, the author moved to America for school, where they faced challenges as part of a small Black and Muslim community. The author remained in the United States for college, where they studied psychology. After graduation, they returned home to Country X to work at a law firm focused on traffic violations and developed important skills. Uh, the author now hopes to attend law school in the U.S. with the, the goal of working on various human rights issues. Initial thoughts? You know, I, I'll kick it off. I'll just say I, I really enjoyed this essay. I thought the, the writing was technically proficient. That narrative was clear. The subject matter was, was all relevant. I especially appreciated the level of sophistication and attention to detail. The author did a very good job of connecting their experiences together and explaining how all those experiences, you know, sort of lead to law school. I thought it was really, really well done. For me, this is a classic resume essay where the author takes the reader chronologically through their resume in their life. High school, college, post-college work experience, and then law school. It's a natural way to write, and it's very easy for the reader to follow. There's a definite upside to this approach, which is that the chronology provides Movement, as Miriam likes to say, which is great. I do like movement. <laughs> <laughs> the, the past, as, as you've said in a prior episode, past, present, to the future. The downside here is that when you tell us so much of your life story, there isn't space to go into much detail about any one topic. Every experience is necessarily touched on briefly just because of the length. And I found myself wishing the author had pared back the number of topics and gone into more detail on the handful of experiences that were most formative to them. More generally, keep in mind that your personal statement is read alongside all the other materials in your application. We don't have this listener's resume, but if we did, we'd probably realize that, for example, the applicant studied psychology and wouldn't need to learn that from this personal statement. So the, my general note is don't feel like you need to march through every step in your trajectory from A to Z. Sometimes it's more powerful to just focus on B, M, or P along the way. So I thought this essay read incredibly cleanly. Every paragraph had a role. The writing was crisp and clear. I was left with a strong sense of who this applicant is and how they develop their interest in law school. But the one thing that I would say as a note to improve is it felt to me like the author was trying a little bit too hard to tie everything up neatly with a bow and show that everything was connected to their decision to go to law school. You don't have to do that. I, I think it's okay to say, well, I had this one experience and you know what? It was a detour or I needed to, to work this job to make some money or, you know, I chose my major when I had a different goal. 
those we get that. And it felt here a, a little bit too neat. And I think probably these experiences were a little bit messier than this personal statement makes them out to be. Personally, I would have loved more details and more examples. It was a little general for me. And I agree with Christy completely that focusing in more closely on fewer experiences would have allowed more of the nuance and complexity to shine through. And I think that would have taken an already strong personal statement to the next level. Let's talk about the ever important basics next. So for an overall strong essay, the formatting here was a real miss. You should always follow school-specific instructions, but absent those instructions, generally your personal statement should be approximately two pages, double-spaced, and in a standard 12-point font with normal margins, and every paragraph should be indented. This essay follows very few of those conventions. And that gives rise to a second issue. I would bet my bottom dollar that once the formatting is fixed, this essay is going to run long, probably at least two and a half pages, maybe closer to three. So this author is going to have some significant editing to do. Applicants, don't think you're going to fool us. We have seen every trick in the book. We know what one inch margins look like. We know what double spacing looks like. And you should be following those conventions and editing appropriately to make the length conventions. Yeah, aside from the formatting and length issues, which are which are certainly important, the, the writing itself is very strong. Um, the sentences are sophisticated and varied. Uh, the author's at their best when they're giving specific details uh, that really reflect and, and demonstrate their personality. So I'll just give one example because I, I really loved this description. And I, I think it just shows what a strong writer this applicant is. And this is a quote. In the midst of the chaos, the city library became my place of refuge as a teenager. I loved reading in the atrium surrounding by a calming canopy of vegetation and illuminated by abundant sunlight. The author brings you right there with them. You can picture the scene. You can see them there as a teenager reading in this library. And I, I just loved that vivid description. And the reader understands that reading and intellectual engagement are pivotal parts of this applicant's identity and journey without the applicant having to tell them that explicitly. This is a very good example of show, don't tell. A hundred percent. We say that all the time. And then they're like, what do you mean? You show us. Don't tell us what show, don't tell means. And this is us showing you, not telling you what show, don't tell is. Turning to the content more generally, we already mentioned a preference for perhaps focusing more deeply on a few experiences as opposed to touching on so many. That would certainly help with the length issue we identified. Any other thoughts on the content? Yeah, so here's here's an example. Let's say this author decided to focus more deeply um, on their college experience as one of those key experiences. I would be interested to know more what they did both within and beyond the classroom. The SI right now focuses in a fairly general way on their coursework. Was there a specific class paper project that was particularly meaningful? Was there an extracurricular experience or internship or job that tied closely to those interests. I think that going into a little bit more detail on one of those would further enrich the essay. I would have liked to really move away from the 20,000 foot view and down into the weeds a little bit more. Yeah, changing topics a little bit on the substance. um, I was initially unsure what to think about the value of the discussion of the current law firm work. You know, the focus on traffic violations is so different than everything that came before it. Uh, which focused much more on human rights and justice. However, as I read it closely, I like that the author recognized this was a detour and connected it to important skills that do cut across various subject matter areas. 
So uh, teamwork, cross-cultural communication, client advocacy, this shows a, a pretty sophisticated understanding of what being a lawyer is, is about. And you know, it's, it's more than just subject matter expertise that this person is reflecting an understanding of a broader range of skills that they understand they're going to have to develop, which is a, um, it's a sense of self-awareness that is not typical in, in most law school applications. Yeah, so I agree 100% with you, Liz, that I initially struggled with this paragraph. And then when I reread it and looked at it more deeply, I completely agree that it was overall a very successful one for exactly the reasons that he's described. I think with one exception for me, at least, and that was the final sentence, which read, my supervisor has thanked me for introducing relevant psychological concepts and frameworks, which have improved the team dynamics and level of mutual respect on our team. So that certainly may be true, but it felt this is an example for me of where it felt like the author was trying a little bit too hard to connect things together. So here trying to connect their work at this law firm to their major in psychology in college. It just didn't work for me. I don't think it was necessary. And I think the paragraph overall would have been stronger if it had focused on the skill development as a lawyer that this person experienced at the law firm. Miriam, you referred to the 20,000 foot view a moment ago. This That whole sentence just stays at the 20,000 foot level. You could imagine that any one small piece of the story underlying that sentence yeah. could be an essay in itself. Absolutely. And so I don't think it really added value for that reason. For me, one of the least successful parts of an an overall really strong essay was the final three paragraphs, which were sort of the the why law school discussion. The first of the three paragraphs was totally fine. The author, again, expresses an interest in human rights, including a few specific issues. The next two paragraphs stay very general with lines like, I look forward to cultivating the garden of my academic interests and past experiences, or Law school will help me flourish into an attorney that can help ensure that the stories have better endings. I am not sure that any of that added very much at all. I'd recommend either dig deeper or just cut those types of comments entirely. And I'm sure you both noticed as well as I did that this author is likely an international applicant, although it's certainly possible, and we would know this from the application if they are a U.S. citizen. Um, they did attend college in the United States, but currently live and grew up outside of the United States. How, if at all, uh, for both of you, did that shape how you read this essay? It, one thing I really appreciated is the the cross-cultural communications um, themes that Ulysses touched on earlier. And I think that that to me was was compelling. I read a lot of essays from international applicants and assuming that this writer is not a US citizen is always helpful to understand why they would like to attend law school in the United States. Some legal areas and I would say that human rights and international law among them are really transnational so there may be no need to explain beyond and general interest in that area, but it's a good idea not to leave unanswered questions. And one question an admissions committee member certainly could have is, why does this person want to attend law school in the United States? If the personal statement didn't feel like the right place to answer that question, the applicant could tackle it in a diversity statement, maybe an addendum. Um, I would be really interested to read a potential diversity statement from this applicant alongside this personal statement and see how the two complement one another. Yeah, I would too. Actually, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I do want to understand from international applicants, um, probably a little more than U.S. applicants, why they're choosing the United States or, or my law school in particular. I don't, um, I often don't particularly 
care. You know, I know that this is not a very sort of common admissions position, but I, I, it's not really that important to me in many cases for an applicant to convince me that, you know, Brooklyn Law School is the only place on the planet that they want to go, right? Like, I, I don't feel that way. I want them to express a passionate interest in the law. I want to understand why they're going to law school. Um, but I get it. They may go to Brooklyn. They may go somewhere else. But for the international applicants, um, you know, because they could probably go anywhere in the world, they could probably study anything. Uh, many of them are very strong. They could be studying, you know, philosophy in Germany. Why are they studying U.S. law and why do they want to do that in Brooklyn? I often do focus more in on that question. So, um, you know, but I feel like this applicant's intentions are reasonably clear, right? Like, I think the focus on human rights, um, you know, gives you a pretty good sense of where they're going. So, so I think I would have been satisfied by the information that we have in the file about what this person's intentions are, how serious they are about, you know, potentially traveling across the world to attend a United States law school. So I agree completely with everything Euless and Christy said. I'll just say that as someone who was an international applicant at the time when I applied to law school, I think I did very badly on this point. I suspect that mm -hmm. I did not adequately answer the why law school in the United States question. And, um, you know, as I reflect back, probably should have done a better job on that. Well, three down, one to go. Euless, as always, thank you for joining us. And look out for our fourth and final installment of Getting Personal with Personal Statements, which will come out soon. This podcast is produced by Ryan McAvoy from the Yale Broadcast Studio.